so as you guys know, we're on our series, We Are the Church. Okay, so let's do a very, very quick review. Uh, we said the church is not a, not a, it's not a building. Okay, church is not a building. Instead, what is it? We, we, us here. We are the church. And so we talked about how if it's just the building, then all we need to do is just come to a building and that's fine. All we need to do is just once a week, just come here and just listen to an inspirational sermon and then feel good and then just leave, right? Because you came to the building, check mark, and then you could just leave. But if we are actually the church together, if us as people, we are the church, then we got to make sure that we know where we're going, okay? Because the building isn't going anywhere. It's not moving. But for us, we're always constantly, we're not static. We're always moving. We're growing. And so, therefore, we're all going somewhere. And we want to make sure as a church that we're going where God wants us to go, not where we just want to go, right? So we talked about our vision statement, okay? So let's read it together. Ready? This is our vision statement. One, two, three. Follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and connect others to Jesus. Okay, what's the, what's the, like, FTC Jesus, okay? And that's easy way to remember, okay? Very good. So that was kind of a review, okay? A couple of weeks ago, okay, uh, after, after our service, we had potluck, and the young adults, and they're, uh, I think most of them were young adults, they were having a very, very, very meaningful very deep uh, debate and discussion together, okay? It was called, Would You Rather, okay? <laughs> very lively, very uh, adult-like conversations, yes. Very mature, okay. So I want to do a couple of Would You Rather, okay, questions with you guys, okay? And so I'm going to give you a couple of them, and then you guys raise your hand, okay? So here it is. The first one, would you rather be two feet higher, two feet uh, uh, um, taller, taller, or two feet shorter. Okay, would you rather right now your height right now? Would you be? Would you rather be two feet higher, not higher, uh, taller, or shorter? Okay, how many of you guys say taller? Oh, most of you guys, most of you guys. Okay, and then some of you guys. Okay, anybody? Any of you guys shorter? Two feet shorter. Two feet shorter. Okay, next one. Uh, would you rather uh, be the smelly one? Okay, but you don't, you don't smell your own odor. Or would you rather smell everyone else's odor? Okay, so first one is, again, you smell really bad, but you don't smell it. Everybody else does. Okay, how many of you guys? That one. Okay, couple, couple of you guys. How many of you guys other one? You don't, you always smell other people's odor, yeah? Okay, more of that, more of the second one, okay. Last one for the funny one, and then I'll get more into the serious one. Okay, I think this one for me was the was my favorite. Would you rather be the ugly one in the relationship? Okay, would you rather be the ugly one in the relationship, or would you want to date someone who's uglier? Does that make sense? So if you're, would you rather be the ugly one, or would you want the person you're dating or you're married to, would you rather have that person be the uglier one? How many of you guys say, I'd rather be the uglier one? Okay, good. Most of the guys. Most of the guys. <laughs> All the guys. All the guys. That's a good answer. Good answer. And then how many of you guys, uh, 
How about I who who has to I rather date the uglier one? <laughs> okay, maybe all the girls, okay. Okay, two okay, so uh, more serious, more serious questions. Okay, ready? Would you rather have freedom or would you rather have growth? Okay, one more time. Would you rather have freedom to do whatever you want or would you rather have growth, like progress? Okay, how many of you guys say, I'd rather still choose freedom? Okay, some of you guys. How about growth? I'd rather grow. I'd rather, okay, so about 50-50. Okay, next one. Would you rather have freedom, okay, freedom, or, okay, this one is a little bit similar, but would you rather, or would you rather have transformation? Transformation. Yeah, good transformation. Not, not a bad one. Yeah, yeah, positive, positive transformation. Okay, positive transfer, positive changes in your life. Okay, so freedom. How many of you guys still say freedom? Okay, a little less this time. How about transformation? You want to see some good changes in your life. Okay, next one, last one, last one. Would you rather have freedom or have a group of people who has your back? Who has your back? Basically, you have a community who, like, who will support you. Okay, would you rather have freedom? You could do whatever you want. Or would you have a group of people who will support you even in the, dark, even in the hardest time? Okay, freedom. Okay, even less this time. And then a group of people who will have your back. Oh, a lot of you. Okay, very good. Um, there was a New York Times magazine. Uh, it was actually really, really long time ago. Uh, it, was, it was like 1990. If you look at the date, it's 1997. And uh, the article, uh, it's God Decentralized. And basically, the argument, uh, the argument that the article makes, hold on, sorry, let me take this off. Okay, so um, uh, the article basically is talking about how more and more Americans are becoming more and more spiritual. Okay, they're more interested in spirituality. Okay, uh, like even now, I mean, if you look at it now, even this is about what 20, 30 years ago now, but even now the trend is like people are interested in spiritual things. Okay, they don't like Christianity very much. Okay, because we live in a post-Christian world, uh, for the but for the most part, people like this idea of spiritualness, okay, this idea of mindfulness, yoga, meditation, okay, uh, me um, doing something meaningful, okay, me reaching the divine, th these kind of ideologies, and a lot of these Eastern religions are actually coming back, but without the religious form of it, okay? Uh, that's what this article was talking about. But this article was also talking about how more and more Americans are not actually, uh, they are moving away, so they're moving towards spirituality, but they're moving away from religious institutions, okay? And so the whole concept is people want transformation. People want growth. 
But they don't want to submit themselves to a group of people. Okay? Basically, people want good things. All the good things that Christianity, religion provides for them. Peace, joy, growth, less anxiety in their life. And so people, everybody says, yeah, of course, I love that stuff. I want that stuff. I want more of that in my life. But more and more people are actually leaving the group itself. They think, oh, as long as individually, as long as I can do it on my own, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Okay? Um, but the problem is, more and more and more, because we are choosing freedom, a lot of people, I mean, America is all about freedom. Okay? Do you guys know that song? Uh, oh, sorry, I, let me get my notes out. It's not God, it is God Bless America. Um, it's not God Bless America, but um, it's the song, um, I'm Proud to Be an American. Do you know that song? It's God Bless America by Lee Greenwood. It's, um, I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> and what does it say? What's the next line? Where at least I know I'm free. Okay, so Americans, for us, okay, living in the Western world, for us, freedom is a really, really, really important thing, okay? But what people don't realize is that there's actually a cost to freedom, okay? There's a cost to wanting to be alone, not wanting to commit, and always wanting to be by yourself. Okay, let's talk about some of the costs. There's a really interesting book that... Um, I was researching. It's called, uh, the book is called Tribe. Okay? And it's basically talking about when the first Americans from Brit Brit British, the, the, the people, they came over here in the late 1700s. And so, you know, the Europeans, the uh, original Europeans who came to America and the native Indians, they had like strife and they had like people like uh, capturing each other and things like that. Okay? But what was in really interesting is that whenever people would get abducted by the Native Americans, and then the Europeans would go and, like, ransom them back or, like, you know, have negotiation and bring them back, that these people would just go right back. And you, you guys know Benjamin Franklin, yeah? Can you go to the next slide for me? Benjamin Franklin, he said this, mentioning this, okay? Though ransomed by their friends and treated with all imaginable tenderness to prevail within them to stay among the English. So it's like, hey, we got you back. Stay with us, stay with us. Okay, they're not even being mean. Yet in a short time, they become disgusted with our manner of life and take first good opportunity to escape again into the woods. Okay? So he's saying, wait, why are these Europeans, okay, not, why do they want to leave the European lifestyle? Why is it that they actually want to go into the woods and live primitively. Thousands of Europeans are Indians. So Native Americans, he's talking about, okay? Thousands of Europeans are Indians, and yet we have no examples of even one of the uh, uh, Aborigines uh, having from choice become European. So it's saying all of these people from Europe, they're flocking. Okay, I don't know about flocking, but they're leaving us to become like one of them. But none of them are looking at us, even with the height of technology, with the medicine, with science, and all of these high level of sophisticity and education, 
none of them are actually coming over to our side. And then another author talking about this subject, go to the next slide for me, says actually this. There must be from their social bond, so he's, he's talking about the, Indian, the American, Native Americans, there must be from their social bond something singularly captivating and far superior to be anything to be boasted among us. Okay, so he's basically saying, okay, the reason why they must be leaving and the reason why they're never joining us is because they must have something far superior than we do. And he says, it's community. It's a sense of community, right? Again, this is only 1700s, but again, the spark of individualism, okay? This idea that I get to choose whatever I want to do, and I don't want to be committed to things. I'm just going to make myself happy, and it doesn't matter about the group as long as I'm happy. This kind of mindset is actually what he's saying is toxic. Continuing on, um, in, in America, they say, 35% are chronically lonely. 35%, they say. Uh, next quote. Uh, this is a quote by, uh, next slide for me. Um, he's a former U.S. Um, Surgeon General. Okay, and this is what he says. He says, during my years of caring for patients, the most common pathology disease that I saw was not heart disease or diabetes. It was loneliness. Okay, this is what he's saying. He's like the top doctor of the United States. He's the guy who represents all the doctors. And he says, the common disease that I see over and over and over again in this individualistic Western world is loneliness. People more and more and more feel lonely and isolated. Even though, again, they're all going about with make my life better. I want to transform. But more and more and more people are feeling lonely. Um, so it was actually, a lot of people actually left uh, at Britain a couple years back, about 20 years back, when there was a, there was a um, prime minister named Theresa May, and she actually named one of the ministers, she actually came up with the minister's title, Loneliness Minister. Okay, so they had a minister just to take care of people who are lonely. And people are like, you don't need that, you know, like go find a therapist and things like that. Uh, but this is what she says. She says, 20% 20 20 of the people in the, uh, in the UK are lonely. Okay? I need somebody to take care of this 20%. That's a lot of people, she thinks. And she says this, far too many people, uh, for far too many people, loneliness is the sad reality. Okay? So again, we talk about freedom in the USA. It's all about, hey, I'm going to do whatever I want, and no one's going to tell me what to do, and I'm not going to commit to stuff because I want to do whatever I want to do, right? Because what is committing? Committing means if you commit to something, you cannot do something else that you actually want to do at that moment, right? It's all about that. But because of that, what's the cost? The cost is loneliness. The cost is sadness that is occurring throughout. This is, why, this is why I asked you guys, would you rather have freedom or growth? Freedom or transformation? Freedom or a group of people who's actually going to take care of you? Okay. Now, freedom in itself is not a bad thing. Okay. My whole point is going to be at the end of this is that you, we, we all have freedom, whether we like it or not, because we live in the United States. We are very, very blessed people. 
But my prayer is that you would use your freedom to actually be willing to commit to a group. Okay? So this is not like I'm forcing you to be in a group. Things like that. But we have to understand, okay, these, three, two th- these two things, freedom and growth, these cannot be together. If you want true growth, true transformation, a true community who, wants, who, who you want there to be there with you, you got to be committed. You can't just say, oh, whenever I need you, I'll come to you. And then when I don't need you, I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, you're not going to have friends. You're not going to have a community. So let's talk about this a little bit more in depth with Jesus. If you could go to the, I'm, I'm going to show you guys a couple of verses. Usually I like to just stay with one verse, but I want to, um, I just want to keep going. Uh, by the way, this is what um, Robert Putnam, he's a, he's a, he was a professor at Harvard University. And he's not talking necessarily, the book wasn't about church. It was really about the idea of commitment. And this is what he says. It's not just church. Okay? It's any community that requires commitment. The book is called uh, something about bowling, right? And he, he's actually talking about the phenomenon where in the U.S., like even 50 years ago, there were a whole bunch of bowling clubs. But nowadays, you could rarely find any. Why? Because, again, people are not willing to commit. And that's why people are so lonely because there's no community. Okay? So that's where we're getting at. Okay, let's read a couple of Bible verses, and then I'll kind of summarize what we can, the findings from here. The first one. Then a teacher of the law came to, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Okay? I'm not going to some fancy places, Jesus is basically saying. Okay? I'm not going to, you know, you're a teacher of the law. You were treated very well. Oh, oh, please come. And he's saying, when you follow me, none of that luxury stuff. It's going to be very difficult. Are you still willing to follow me? Another disciple said uh, to Jesus, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Okay? Uh, But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Okay? Most likely, the person is not saying, like, my dad is dead right now. Like, let me go bury him. Because if that was the case, then he shouldn't even be talking to Jesus, right? He would be probably burying him already. But what he's probably saying is, right now I have family. I have, I have responsibilities. Let me, let me take care of my responsibilities first. And then after all of that, then I will follow you. And Jesus is saying, no, follow me. No other responsibility comes before following me. Okay, let's go to another verse. Another verse. Jesus looked at the young, rich ruler and loved him. Uh, One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Again, there's some kind of commitment. There's some kind of sacrifice when you have to follow Jesus. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay, I have just one last one. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And gave him authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 disciples. First, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John. Next slide. Uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. 
Okay, couple of things. Couple of things that we see. Okay, I want to mention three different C. Okay, the first one, the first one that we see is if you want to follow Jesus, there's always a commitment. There's always a commitment. Jesus says, there's always going to be some kind of sacrifice. There's always going to be some kind of commitment of following me. Okay, it's not going to be, oh, you come whenever you want to come follow me, and you leave whenever you want to leave me. And another very interesting thing here that we saw is that Jesus doesn't try to convince us. Like he doesn't, what I'm trying to say is, he doesn't lessen the bar of commitment. He doesn't say, oh, you're busy? Oh, you have these responsibilities? Okay, go do those things first. Oh, you really love money more than me? Oh, that's fine. Leave some of the money and then follow me as well. He doesn't say these things. He says he lets them go. He loves them. right? With a young rich ruler, he looked at them and loved them. But he says, if that's not what you're willing to do, then you can go. So Jesus calls for commitment, and yet he doesn't say like, Okay, oh, I know your situation. Okay, I'll lessen the bar for you. Okay? He gets straight to the heart of the matter and says, if you want to follow me, then there's a commitment. There's a sacrifice. Okay, that's the first C. The second C that we see is whenever Jesus asks people to follow him, he always invites them into a community. Okay? Do you guys see these people here? He doesn't just say, oh, Okay, like you're, you're just an individual person here. You're an individual person here. You're an individual person here. And you're an individual person. And I'm going to talk to you one-on-one like this, and one-on-one like this, and one-on-one like this, and one-on-one like this. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He actually gathers all his people, and he says, you join our group. Okay? So it's this sense of community. So what I'm trying to say is to follow Jesus is to be in community. There is no solo spirituality here. Now, it's very important, okay, like Jesus, like there's times where he actually went into, like, solidarity. Like, it's not that he wasn't by himself, okay? But, and yet at the same time, his method of discipleship wasn't one-on-one. It was always within a group of people. Okay, of course, there was times where he interacts with people one-on-one, but those were not his disciples or followers. Does that make sense? But his followers, his disciples, they were always in a group. So again, to follow Jesus means to be in a community. Again, we live in a world where we say, you don't need church okay, to be spiritual. You don't need church to grow. Okay, but not with Jesus. Okay, Maybe other religions, maybe you could do that, but not with Christianity. Because that's not how Jesus meant it at all. Part three. Okay, so the first C is commitment. Second C is community. But the third C, and this is some of the reason why we don't like community, which is conflict. Okay? Okay. Yesterday, we had a very, very interesting uh, Friday Night Vespers about this and how much, like, conflict and personality differences uh, people must have had. But let me just give you this, this, two exam- uh, this one example, because uh, uh, Matthew actually writes it out. Okay? He actually gives title for them. It says, Matthew the tax collector. So we have somebody, we have a Jewish person. As, as you guys remember, the Romans, they, they, uh, they had control over the Jewish people. 
but he worked for the Romans. He says, hey, we're going to be ruled over them, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to utilize this relationship. And then who do we have? We have Simon the Zealot. Okay, if you guys don't know what a zealot is, they're basically fundamental religious like terrorists. Okay? Their whole life is, no, Jewish people, we need to be free from the Romans. So even if we have to kill, we'll kill them all. Okay. So do you understand what's going on over here? Even within Jesus' own disciple group, we have two politically very, very extreme people. We have one person who says, let's work with the Romans. Let's benefit with the Romans. And the other side is saying, no, how dare these heathens try to control over? Let's kill them altogether. Okay, can you imagine what breakfast was like for um, Matthew and Simon? Okay. Can you imagine what Simon is thinking every time he sees Matthew? You're, you're the worst Jew in the world. How dare you work with the enemy? And can you imagine Matthew thinking, man, you, you're a killer. You're a murderer. Man, we got to have peace. We got to be smart. We got to be logical. We can't beat them. So can you imagine what kind of tension and conflict that they must have had? But Jesus, did he make a mistake? No. He purposely did this. Because again, if he really wanted the perfect group, everybody would look the same. Maybe he would have got all the same fishermen. He would have got all the same political views. But no, we talked about this last week. There's so much diversity in this group. I mean, we could talk about other personalities as well. We could, it was really, really good conversation that we had and talking about just the different personality and the clashes. And it, it, it literally took Jesus to bring these people together. And then last week we talked about that, right? And how the church needs to be like that. Where people need to look at our church and say, these people are so different. But because of Jesus, they're coming together. How is that possible? It's literally, okay, it's literally to use like modern day example. It's like literally a Russian person and a Ukrainian coming together and worshiping God together. It's like you, when the world sees something like that, you're like, why are they doing that? They're at war. They would hate each other. But they're coming under Christ. Again, you see that. You see that this, this group, they're fighting all the time. They're fighting over, I'm better than you. I'm greater than you. Do we see that within the church? Our church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? And that is why, that is why throughout the Bible, over and over and over and over again, it uses the word each other. Love one another, each other. Serve one another. Don't think that you're better than one another. In the, old, in the New Testament, it uses the word one another 100 times, 100 times. One another, one another, one another. Why? Because, again, it assumes two things, that the church, it's in community, right? You can't do, you can't do one thing by yourself, right? It's with one another, one another, one another. And yet, they also assume we're going to be in conflict. That we're not going to like each other very much. That there's going to be difficult times. Okay? But it's through that, through community, that we can actually grow. I'll give you a couple of examples of this. 
Think about um, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, all of those things. Okay, can you get, how can you be loving by yourself? Can you be loving by yourself? Let's say a person is living in a cave by himself and he says, I'm a loving person. Is that true? No, it's not. Why? Because when you want to be loving, you, you need what? Somebody else. Okay? So a lot of these traits that we actually want in our lives, okay, we talked about this. We want more love. We want more joy. We want more peace in our lives, patience in our lives. But we need people. Does that make sense? And we need a group of people who are actually united under Jesus, who are working together. Again, that's what church is all about. Church is a very messy place because we're, why? Number one, we're all very different. The only reason why we're coming together or why we should be coming together, ideally, is really for Jesus. And because of that, it's going to get messy. Different political views, different theological views, but we come together because of Jesus. And secondly, it's because we all admit, or Christians, we all need to admit that we're all sinners. And that means our churches are always going to be messy because we have a bunch of sinners here. But again, we come together, and it's a school where we can actually grow. Do you want to be more loving? Do you want to be more patient? This is the school. This is the school. This is where you grow. And that's how Jesus meant it. And I, I believe for me personally, well, you know, Jesus doesn't tell us exactly why he put these group of people together. There's many, I think, many reasons. But I think for me, one of the reasons is so that they can understand, hey, what, what was, because what, did, what was one of the things that Jesus said before uh, he was breaking the bread? He says, love one another. Love one another. He kept telling them, love one another. Why? Because it's very easy to just separate. But I think he put very different people in the group so that they can literally, really love one another despite the differences. It's very easy to love you if I have very similar things with you. But despite the differences, am I still willing to love you? Despite the flaws and the sins in your life, am I really willing to still love you and forgive you and serve you? That's what church is all about. And not once a week coming here, listening to sermon. No, not that. that you, you're not going to grow by doing that. Being in a community of people where you, again, you commit, you're willing to say, hey, I'm going to be there for you. I want you to be there for me. I want you to call me out. I want you, I want you to support me. I'm going to do the same thing for you. Okay, that, in that kind of space, that's where you grow. Okay? If you think about it, okay? Uh, in some sense, that's kind of what a marriage, a really good marriage, I think, should look like. Okay, for me, I feel like I'm becoming a better person, not because I got married, but because I'm in a covenant relationship with somebody who can call me out. Does that make sense? And they're not going to leave you. Well, I mean, I guess you could, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that's the idea of marriage, right? Is that it's this like bond that's never going to, that's not supposed to actually, right? And that's not supposed to break. And despite of that, despite of our differences and despite all the sins, that we can embrace each other and call each other out, but support each other. And in that sense, we grow in more and more like Jesus. That's the beauty of marriage. 
And that's also the beauty of our church uh, faith. And that's what Jesus is calling all of us. Again, a church is just the building. We don't need to do any of that. You just come here, listen to a sermon. Woo! I'm good. Check mark. But if we do what Jesus intends for us to do, which is to be in a community, to commit, even despite the conflict, that's where we're going to actually see impact. That's where we're going to actually see transformation happen. That's where we're going to have a group of people around us who are able to still support. But once again, I told you guys this before, all of us are free. Okay, We live in America where it's a land of freedom. Use your freedom to commit to a group. Commit to our church. And for those of you guys who are maybe guests, who are not part of our church, you don't have to join our group. Okay, You could join another group, but join a church. Let me just go really quickly with what we're doing here at our church. Uh, if you could go to the next slide for me. Um, next slide. Step number one for us, the first level of commitment, uh, and I don't need to reiterate this because you guys are already here, but it's worship service and Sabbath school. But again, that's, and, and for some people, maybe you haven't attended um, a worship service or even Sabbath school in a very, very long time. And so that's your initial first step is I want to make sure that I'm getting together with a group of Christians and surrounding myself and getting used to that. Okay? But you don't want to stay there. Okay? It's a good, okay? Again, it's important that you don't skip these steps. It's a very important step. But if you have been here and you're not willing to commit more, again, you're not going to grow. If you've been a Christian all your life and all you're doing is just worship service, worship service, worship service, all, you, all that's going to happen is you're listening to really good, and I feel real good for a week, or I feel really good for a day. Oh, I'm going to work really hard. All you're going to do is just go back. The same pattern again and again and again, and you never grow. Okay, but there's step number two. Uh, is Friday night, Vesper, small group, sundown worship. So what's going on here? There's more. It's a smaller group. It's not. Right now, wh what's happening? Right now, it's just all one way. It's all one way. It's unilateral. But these are bilateral. That means there's dialogue that happens. Now you get to actually share what's going down in your heart. And you could share more. You could be a little more personal now. And talk about what are some of the struggles. Okay, again, is this hard? Absolutely. For some people, they don't want to be vulnerable. Because they know, what if they hear something and they judge me? And people are scared. Okay, it takes commitment. Okay, but step three, okay, is the highest level of commitment. But again, the high, again, all these steps, more commitment every single step. But the higher benefit and growth that you're going to experience. Uh, step three is what we call D group. It's called discipleship group. We're going to start D group in two weeks. I'm going to mention again next week as well. But the idea of this discipleship group is for three months, you're going to meet, meet weekly with just very specific people. It's a closed group. So once that group is set, no one is joining that group. But in that, in that group, you're going to be held uh, responsible. Again, not people forcing you. You choose. If you choose to be in this group, then you choose to say people asking you very intentional questions. Did you read your Bibles? Did you do your journal? Did you do your memory verses? Okay. What are some of the things, and there's different questions, what are some of the sins in your life? 
Okay? It's very, very intentional. There's people, again, this is not like force. You have to do this and you're a horrible person. No. But it's you choosing to commit yourself to a group so that you can grow, so that you can be held accountable, so that your walk with Jesus, you are not walking alone, but we are walking together. And once again, in two weeks, uh, that's what we're going to start. Okay? Uh, I, w- I wanted to show you guys a video of, because uh, last year we did uh, we did a session, and so I wanted to show you guys a video, but I'll show it to you guys next week instead. All of us, every single one of us, we are we have freedom in Christ. But Jesus also calls us to follow him, to submit to him, and to be in a community where we can flourish and grow. And I want to be a church where we can follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and connect others to Jesus. And I invite every single one of you guys, whether you're in step one or step two, you need to go to step three, wherever you guys are at, that you will commit and that you will grow. And that we would do this together as a church. Let's go into time of reflection.